Sports Island is a complete sports podcast covering all major news and topics from across the PGA Tour, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and NCAA. This podcast focuses on sports only, as political, racial, and social issues are not discussed. If you are a sports fan and are looking to stay up to date on all of the major news and topics from across the major sports, then Sports Island is truly your getaway destination. You're listening to the Sports Island Podcast with your host, Rick Mitchell. And now, the Sports Island Podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is version 88 of the show. It's another good one for you. we got some playoff golf, uh, a playoff event that went into a playoff, and we'll get into that. Uh, the NFL's preseason is underway uh, officially. Every team has played at least one preseason game. Second preseason games are this weekend, so we'll dive into some news there. And then, of course, standings update in Major League Baseball. Uh, the division races are, are taking shape a little more, so we'll get into that as well as plenty of news from around Major League Baseball. And um, we're going to start off on the PGA Tour like we usually do. And this past weekend's tournament was the FedEx St. Jude Championship, which was at TPC Southwind. That's in Memphis, Tennessee. It was a par 70. Distance was 7,243 yards. This was the very first of the three FedEx Cup playoff events. Only the top 125 ranked players in the FedEx Cup standings teed it up. Uh, the field, obviously, uh, we you know it, it was 125 players. Uh, all the top ranked players in the official World Golf rankings were out there, um, so it was certainly a loaded field. Had the feel of a major championship. Uh, the course itself, uh, plenty of water on this course, whether it was streams, ponds, or lakes, uh, very undulating greens, so it was a tough course to play. Combine that with the par 70, and uh, we still saw some low scores, but not as low as we have here in recent weeks. Um, the winner of this thing got 2,000 FedEx Cup points, which certainly put them at the top of the standings. And, um, yeah, I was... You know, of course, like I mentioned, the players that were participating um, as we begin the playoff event, I mentioned uh, Rory McIlroy. He's looking to win his third FedEx Cup, be the first player ever to do that. Patrick Cantlay won the uh, FedEx Cup last year. He was looking to become the first ever back-to-back winner of the FedEx Cup. And um, this was Cameron Smith's first outing since he had won the Open Championship at St. Andrews. So uh, we were you know, looking to see how those storylines turned out. And um, this was a good tournament. You know, Hideki Matsuyama actually withdrew from the the tournament before it started due to a neck injury. Uh, He was ranked 11th in the FedEx Cup standings before his withdrawal, so uh, he was pretty safe to play in the BMW Championship. Um, Nothing real notable happened in round one. The leaderboard after round one in this thing was not real appealing. Uh, All the the big-name players did not really play that well. Uh, Siwoo Kim had a hole-out eagle on the 18th hole to actually take the lead after round one, so that was uh, pretty interesting. Round two, uh, after round two, some notable names missed the cut. I mentioned the big-name players that did not play well, uh, three of them in particular, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, and Jordan Spieth. They all missed the cut after round two, so they did not play on the weekend rounds. 
uh, round three, uh, Ricky Fowler got up to the par four 18th hole. Uh, it was one of the tougher holes on the course. He hit multiple balls into the water uh, on, the, on his tee shot, which he ended up carding a quintuple bogey nine, a five over nine on the par four 18th hole. So uh, that's just not something you see every day. Um, you know, certainly that's, that's a score that you would see, a, you know, an amateur put together. Uh, we actually, there was 174 balls hit into the water during this tournament, uh, which is quite a bit, uh, but it was the ninth most water balls we've seen so far this season in any given tournament. So inside the top 10 there, a lot of water shots. And then round four, there was a weird sequence of events in round four for this thing. Uh, before the start of the round, Cameron Smith, uh, he was only two shots back after round three, but they went back, and one of his shots in round three, he, uh, he had to take a, a penalty shot, and he got penalized for improper ball placement. Now, he did not get penalized at the time. The, the penalization happened uh, at, before the start of round four. So uh, they went back and looked at it. So instead of starting two back, he was actually four shots back of the lead um, to start his round, and uh, he ended up shooting an even par round of 70. So uh, on Sunday. So that uh, didn't help him at all. Uh, and then Denny McCarthy, he had an kind of, I want to say, an errant tee shot. It was a little right uh, and ended up going into the cup holder of a folding chair that was being occupied by a volunteer on the right side of the fairway uh, under the trees. The ball literally went into the cup holder, and uh, that uh, that should count as a hole-in-one, but it didn't. Uh, he ended up birdieing the hole, though, nonetheless. Um, he just dropped it uh, where it would have landed. Uh, probably would have gotten a little extra roll had it actually bounced, but he still made birdie, so that was kind of a weird sequence of events but in the end your winner we actually went to a playoff hole between Will Zalatoris and Sepp Straka they both finished at 15 under par um, and in the playoff they played the par 4 18th hole twice they both parred that a lot of weird bounces in these playoff holes um, and including the, the third so they both parred the, the 18th hole two times then they moved to the uh, the par 5 11th hole and at that point we saw Will Zalatoris uh, ended up that was a par 3 11th hole I'm sorry par 3 11th hole for the the final playoff hole and uh, a couple of bad tee shots both Zalatoris hit one on the rocks he had to take a drop ended up bogeying but he was saved because Sepp Straka put his in the water uh, on that playoff hole, so he had to take a drop as well. Zalatoris won the playoff hole with a bogey, which is not something you see. Normally, a, a birdie wins it, but Zalatoris is your winner. It was his first career victory on tour, all right? Um, very surprising. He's played really well this year. Uh, several second-place finishes, including the U.S. Open, uh, losing in the you know a playoff uh, at the PGA Championship as well, so um, you know, just very, uh, very good year for Will Zalatoris. His first career victory on tour that actually moved him up to 10th in the official world golf rankings. 
And uh, he currently, after this victory, he sits first in the FedEx Cup standings heading into this weekend's tournament that we'll get to in a minute. But so Zalatoris and Straka finished at 15 under. Uh, they did so. Zalatoris was actually one over, 71 after round one. And uh, I saw an article that said that his girlfriend had texted him after round one asking what their plans were for the weekend uh, if he did not make the cut. And his reply to her was, let's take it one day at a time and we'll see. And uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it is actually is, is the quote that he said. So, well, he was right because not only did he uh, turn it around, he shot seven under in round two, five under in round three, and then closed with a four under 66 to get to 15 under. Whereas Sepp Straka, he opened with a six under, then followed that up with a four under 66, two under 68, and closed with a three under 67. So that both landed him at 15 under. That playoff hole, uh, or the three playoff holes, I told you Zalatoris was victorious. And then uh, there was a two-way tie for third at 12 under par between Lucas Glover and Brian Harmon. Uh, there were a handful of golfers tied for fifth at 11 under because Zalatoris was uh, one of the only big names there, the only big name that I mentioned there in those first four golfers. But the the fifth place golfers at 11 under, you had Adam Scott, John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, Matt Fitzpatrick. All those guys are, are surefire top flight players. Then you had Andrew Putnam and Trey Mullinax. They were all at 11 under. Solo 12th was Sung J.M. at 10 under. So you can see Zalatoris and Straka were, you know, three shots clear of, uh, of Glover and Harmon. But all in all, it was a good tournament. Uh, the top 70 in the FedEx Cup standings move on to this weekend's tournament, which is the BMW Championship. That's at the Wilmington Country Club in Wilmington, Delaware. It's a par 71. Distance is 7,534 yards. All right, so... A little bit longer of a course. Uh, this course was originally designed in 1959, but it had to be redesigned uh, in 2021 after a tornado had ripped through the course back in August of 2020. All right, so a little bit of uh, new hole locations. The tournament routing is actually going to intertwine the front and back nines of this course. So holes one, two, three, and four are actually the 10th, 13th, 14th, and 15th holes uh, for the members of the uh, Wilmington Country Club. The field for this thing is obviously elite. It's only it's small. It's only 70 players. The top 70 in the FedEx Cup standings after last weekend's FedEx St. Jude Championship are in the field. Uh, consider this one. It's only 70 players, so it's roughly half of what a normal field is. Uh, but you got all the big-name players in the world out there. Uh, certainly all the top players in the official world golf rankings will be out there. The only one who will not is Cameron Smith. He's number two in the world golf rankings, number three in the FedEx Cup standings. He actually withdrew uh, due to hip discomfort. So he's comfortably uh, going to be inside uh, the cut line there for uh, the tour championship at East Lake. There's been a lot of rumors swirling that he's going to leave the PGA Tour for the Live Golf Tour, but um, nothing more on that at the moment. So Cameron Smith will not be out there this week, but everybody else will be. And um, the unlike the FedEx St. Jude Championship, there is no cut in this tournament. 
all right? The BMW Championship does not have a cut, so all 70 golfers, or all, I guess, 69 golfers that are going to tee off on Thursday will also be teeing off on Sunday, so that's kind of neat. And then an interesting note about the BMW Championship is that the last two BMW Championships and three of the last four BMW Championships have all been won in a playoff hole, so uh, certainly have, you know, uh, a lot riding on this thing, obviously with it being the second playoff event uh, on the calendar. And uh, the winner for this thing receives 2,000 FedEx Cup points again. We'll surely take over the lead. Uh, and uh, that's important because the Tour Championship next weekend uh, only has the top 30 players in the FedEx Cup standings, and they start uh, with staggered scoring based on your position in the FedEx Cup standings. So we'll, we'll have more on that uh, in next week's episode when we preview the Tour Championship. But uh, just keep in note that the field gets cut by more than half after this week. So uh, all their interesting note about the BMW Championship is that it is uh, an automatic qualifier event for the pre- uh, President's Cup teams, right? So uh, after this weekend's BMW Championship, six American golfers will earn a spot on the President's Cup team along with eight international players securing their spots on the International President's Cup team. So uh, quite a bit riding on this weekend's tournament. Should make for some very good golf. Uh, the par 71 would lead me to believe that uh, we'll probably see a, a winning score close to 20 under par, um, especially with the high-level golf that we've been seeing. So certainly keep an eye on that. I'll, uh, I'll definitely be tuned in this week as well. Uh, it's great competitive golf with the top-ranked players in the world. It's basically a smaller major championship field, so uh, we'll check back in next week and see how the BMW Championship unfolded. But we'll move over to Major League Baseball, do a standings update here in the MLB. Uh, Most teams have played about 110 to 115 games or so. So we are definitely closer to 115 for most teams. Uh, Some have a couple games more. But uh, we're approaching the the final month of the regular season, right, in in September since we're in August. So it's it's the the division races are are, – you know, tightening up in some areas, and uh, we've seen some some recent winning streaks and some other losing streaks that uh, have impacted the standings as well. So uh, we'll get diving right into this here in the National League, the NL East. The New York Mets are still up top there. They're 75 and uh, 42. Uh, they have a three-game, three-and-a-half-game lead at the moment, but the Mets' closer, Edwin Diaz, This past week, he became the third youngest pitcher in Major League Baseball history to reach 200 career saves. And a side note on Edwin Diaz, if you've not seen his intro into the game in the ninth inning with the trumpets playing that music, uh, do yourself a favor and uh, either watch it on YouTube or TikTok, something. It's just, that'll get you jacked up, man, ready to run through a brick wall. That's definitely the best intro in baseball. Uh, But the Mets... Uh, they have a three-and-a-half game lead on the Atlanta Braves. All right, now the Braves Braves have won eight games in a row uh, as it sits at this moment. Uh, they're 72-46, and 46, uh, closed the division lead by a couple games uh, since last week. And um, the Braves, they re-signed uh, young outfielder Michael Harris, the second, to an eight-year, $72 million contract extension 
which means they've now locked up all of their good young core players uh, under the next six to eight years based on their contracts. So uh, Braves are going to be really good for the next uh, at least six to eight years uh, for sure with all the, the talent that they've been able to uh, lock up and uh, extend in contracts. So uh, Braves are coming in hot. Uh, the way the Mets, you know, Jacob deGrom's back with Max Scherzer. So I don't know that the Mets are going to give the division to the Braves. Uh, but if the Braves end up passing the Mets in the next month and a half, it will certainly be because they earned it for sure. But um, Philadelphia Phillies are third, 65 and 52. They're 10 games back. Uh, I mentioned last week that Reese Hoskins, he hit a home run in three consecutive games, all of which came in the first inning. Uh, well, that fourth game, he hit another home run. Now, it wasn't in the first inning, but he was still the first Phillies player to hit a home run in four consecutive games since 2018. Um, rookie Bryson Stott for the Phillies became the first player to ever reach base four times in the same game against Max Scherzer. So that's very impressive for anyone to do, let alone a rookie. And then uh, just the other night, the Phillies, as a franchise, won their 10,000th career game, which uh, made them only the ninth franchise to ever win 10,000 games in their history. So Phillies are still, they're looking pretty good for a wild card spot at the moment, um, but they're, they're 10 games back of the Mets. So I don't know that they're going to compete for the division, but I certainly would expect to see them in the wild card. The Miami Marlins are 55, I mean, uh, 52 and 65. And the Washington Nationals are 39 and 80, by far and away the worst team in baseball. Over in the National League Central, St. Louis Cardinals are up top there at 64 and 51. Uh, Albert Pujols became the oldest player in Major League Baseball history with four hits, including a home run uh, in that game, in a single game since 1934. Oldest player with four hits in a single game since 1934. And like I said, one of those was, in fact, a home run. So uh, he just continues to defy the odds. Uh, Cardinals are two games clear of the Milwaukee Brewers, who are 62-53. and 53. I think the Brewers will be in the playoffs as well, uh, even though they, they traded uh, Josh Hader to close out those games at the end. But uh, look for Milwaukee to, to stay in the hunt there. The Chicago Cubs are 49-67. and 67. Cincinnati Reds 46 and 70 and the Pittsburgh Pirates are 45 and 71. Uh, they are the only division in baseball that has three teams uh, with less than 50 wins currently, uh, which makes them statistically the worst division in baseball. Uh, that one right there, the NL Central. But over in the National League West, the Los Angeles Dodgers, all right, they uh, are in first place. They're 80 and 35. They're the first team this year to 80 wins. Uh, they have a 17 game lead. Now, the Dodgers had a 12 game winning streak between last week and this week. They had a 12 game winning streak and they won all of those games by multiple runs. Uh, and that 12 game winning streak is their longest winning streak since 1976. They are playing some unreal baseball. Um, Joey Gallo, the trade deadline acquisition, they got him for nothing. He's hit a couple of home runs already. Seems to be fitting in nicely there uh, with the Dodgers. And uh, Dodgers are an absolute wagon. They are 17 games clear of the San Diego Padres, who are 65 and 54. Uh, 
you know, Padres made the biggest move at the trade deadline, but that has not helped them. Um, they have, their division lead has gotten even larger. The Dodgers division lead has gotten even larger since that trade. So, uh, the Padres, the best they can hope for at this point, they're not making 17 games up in the next month and a half. Uh, the best they can hope for is a wild card spot, which they look like they're securely in the mix at this point, And, uh, especially with that lineup. Now the Padres were set to get back uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. relatively soon, who's been out all year with an injury, but he just tested positive this past week for a performance-enhancing drug, all right, and Tatis said that he inadvertently took a medication to treat ringworm, uh, which contained the drug uh, Clostebol, which is a per- uh, performance-enhancing drug, PED. So Tatis was handed an 80-game suspension that he's already s- begun serving, so uh, that's just a horrible break for San Diego. They gave up their farm system to acquire Juan Soto and Josh Hader. And uh, on paper, they're certainly one of the best teams already. Then you throw Tatis Jr. in the mix, and they certainly are one of the best teams. So, uh, But that's that's a huge blow. Uh, that is certainly going to limit their ceiling in the playoffs without Tatis. But I certainly think that the, the Padres could contend for a World Series uh, if they get into the playoffs. I certainly wouldn't want to face that lineup. Uh, in a playoff series, but um, so, they're, so they're second in the NL West. The San Francisco Giants are 59 and 57. They've won five games in a row, but they're still 21 and a half games back of the Dodgers. I, I don't think the Giants are going to be in the playoff mix. Arizona Diamondbacks, 53 and 63, and the Colorado Rockies are 51 and 67. Shifting over to the American League, the New York Yankees, boy, they what a what a couple of weeks they've had. Uh, they're 72 and 45, all right? They've only won twice in their last 10 games. Now, uh, they've lost five straight series, and they have lost 11 out of their last 18 games, all right? So, I mean, uh, 13 games, rather. Yankees have, have lost 11 out of their last 13 games. Their run scoring has drastically dropped. They're still without Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, but that lineup should still be able to produce. Now, the good news for the Yankees is that their division lead was outrageously big enough to where it it didn't really, uh, this losing skid has not really affected them. They're still nine games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays, who have overtaken Toronto for second place. The Rays are 62-53. and They've won four in a row. Uh, Like I said, they've passed Toronto, who... Uh, the Blue Jays have fallen down to third in the division, at uh, sixty-one and fifty-four. Which the Blue Jays now—they've—they've uh, they've only won twice in their last ten as well. They're not playing great baseball. Um, they're taking on water at the wrong time. They need to get it figured out. Um, I certainly think the Blue Jays have enough to get into the playoffs, but um, you know, right now it's—it's it's looking like uh, wild card at best for the Blue Jays. Fourth place in the AL East is the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, they were third last week, but they are 61-55. and 55. Uh, They are just a, a half a game worse than the Blue Jays. They are right there in the wild card mix as well. This is actually the first time that Baltimore's won 60 games in a season since 2017. So um, I, I don't know if they're going to get into the playoffs. If they do, they'll probably be a first-round exit. But, man, they... Um, they will not quit, all right? And uh, that leaves the Boston Red Sox as last place in the AL East at 58-49. and 
14 games back of the Yankees. Uh, I don't believe the Red Sox to be a playoff team. Uh, nothing I've seen recently would indicate that they're going to turn it around even to compete for a wild card spot. I guess technically, uh, mathematically, they're still alive in the wild card, but uh, I wouldn't get my hopes up if I was a Red Sox fan. Over in the American League Central, Cleveland Guardians are up top there at 62 and 55, only a half a game in front of the Minnesota Twins, who are 61 and 55. Uh, that's that's this is the tightest division because the Chicago White Sox are in third place at 61 and 56. They're only one game back of Cleveland, right? So uh, White Sox have won five in a row. Twins have won three in a row. And Guardians have lost two in a row. So that division is certainly the tightest uh, in baseball. Uh, that and the National League Central are the two closest. But the AL Central is the closest division. I could see any of those three teams winning the division. My pick is Chicago. Uh, I just like their lineup. Uh, Dylan Cease has just been unbelievable this year pitching. Uh, so give me the White Sox to win that division. But um, you might get two wild card teams out of that division as well, or at least one wild card team, two playoff teams total. Over in the uh, well, we're not done with the the AL Central. Kansas City's forty eight and seventy one. Then last place is the Detroit Tigers at forty five and seventy four. Uh, the Detroit Tigers fired their general manager, Al Avila, this past week after he spent more than two decades with the Tigers. Uh, the Tigers, they spent nearly a quarter of a billion dollars in free agency this offseason to try and compete and contend. They called up a lot of their younger prospects this, this year, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, and they still currently find themselves in last place. So um, Avila got the boot there. Uh, so Detroit will uh, be in the market for a new general manager. And then over in the American League West, Houston Astros still up top at 75 and 43. Uh, they have, they were, they did have, uh, well, they still currently have the best record in the American League. They actually officially did that last week, which was the first time since April 27th that a team other than the New York Yankees has been the best team in the American League. So that's a long, that's almost, that's three and a half months since we've seen somebody else other than the Yankees uh, as the best record in the American League. But um, Houston is certainly, the way that Justin Verlander's pitching, they are a force to be reckoned with. Uh, they did lose outfielder Michael Brantley for the rest of the year due to a shoulder injury, which he's having surgery on. So uh, a little bit of a hit to the lineup there. But the Astros are still 11 games clear of the Seattle Mariners, who are 64-54. and 54. Uh, I, I, you know, I love the Mariners. I mention it every week. Uh, they're on track, certainly for a wild card spot. Uh, nothing that I've seen recently would, would convince me otherwise. Seattle will be in the playoffs. Third place is my Texas Rangers, 52 and 64. Um, they've, you know, played okay lately. A little bit of drama with the Rangers. They fired their manager, Chris Woodward, this past week uh, after three and a half years. He went 211 and 287 in his three and a half years, so very, very much under 500. Uh, third base coach Tony Beasley has been named the interim manager, and he's, his name has been brought about in contention for the actual manager job once uh, that gets announced. We'll see on that. They did win their first game with Tony Beasley uh, calling the shots, but um, then lost uh, the night after that, his second game. Uh, and if that wasn't enough with the Rangers, a couple days after Chris Woodward got fired, they fired 
president of baseball operations, John Daniels. Now, Texas fans are rejoicing at this. Uh, John Daniels was the general manager from 2006 to 2021, and Chris Young took over last year. Um, John Daniels was the youngest manager, youngest general manager in baseball history. When he got hired, he was only 28 years old. Had some successful seasons, took the Rangers to two World Series, um, or at least the one that we should have won in 2010, but um, certainly a lot of playoff teams under John Daniels, but he just made some very questionable decisions the last five years, six years. So this was well overdue, and I think Rangers fans everywhere are rejoicing that John Daniels is no longer a part of the organization. So Rangers now need a president of baseball operations and a general manager, two very high front office positions that are now vacant. So a lot of good young talent in the farm system, top 10 farm system in the league. So we'll see which direction the Rangers go. Fourth place, Los Angeles Angels, 51-66. and 66, And then last in the AL West, the Oakland Athletics at 42-75. and 75. They are the worst team in the American League, second worst team in all of baseball behind Washington. So uh, that's how the standings look. Uh, we'll see how these divisions uh, change over the next few weeks. Um, we only have two really close divisions, so those will be the ones to kind of keep an eye on. And the rest of them kind of have a, a pretty sizable division lead. We'll call it three close ones and three sizable leads. All right, so we'll keep an eye on those to see if, if the large leads close in at all or if the small leads uh, separate themselves. But we'll certainly check back in on that next week. But move on to our segment called Around the Island. That's where we do some quick news topics from across the various sports uh, not as loaded of a segment this week as we've seen in recent weeks, but still a little bit to talk about, get you caught up on, uh, particularly in the National Football League, which is where we'll start. Uh, every team has played one preseason game as of this recording. The second preseason games uh, start this Thursday night and uh, go through the weekend, of course. Just some notes from uh, week one of the preseason uh, the Baltimore Ravens, okay, they won uh, last Thursday night. They beat the Tennessee Titans 23-10, to which was Baltimore's 21st consecutive preseason win. So you heard that right. The Baltimore Ravens have won 21 preseason games in a row, which is an NFL record. The Ravens have literally not lost in the preseason since 2016, okay, which is very impressive. But again, preseason really means nothing. Uh, it's just a glorified practice, a scrimmage, if you will. And, uh, but, you know, they have nothing to show for it in terms of, you know, no Super Bowls in that time frame. Or uh, They've been to the playoffs, but uh, they have not won a Super Bowl since this streak has began. So I just thought that was noteworthy. Uh, some injuries, you know, we talked about some training camp injuries that have happened thus far had a few more injuries uh, happen in the preseason some notable ones probably uh, the most notable um, the the New York Jets uh, they lost their offensive tackle Makai Becton last week uh, he's already had surgery on his knee they got some more horrid news this week quarterback Zach Wilson he got hurt on a scramble it was a non-contact injury when he cut to his left he went down you know that's usually a knee. Uh, he had some tests done, 
uh, he ended up tearing his meniscus, all right, which a uh, slight tear in his meniscus and had a deep bone bruise. So Zach Wilson has actually already had surgery on that. Um, his expected time for absence is between two and four weeks, depending on recovery. So it's not not great news, but not the news that they were originally suspecting with an ACL. So uh, Zach Wilson will not be starting week one for the Jets. Uh, that'll be Joe Flacco. Uh, Wilson will probably, they're probably not going to rush him back. Um, but I would expect to see Zach Wilson probably by week two or three. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, they lost their starting center, Nick Harris, to a, a season-ending knee injury on the second play of the game in their preseason opener. Of course, Cleveland's very run-heavy. They have a great offensive line. Nick Harris is a part of that, and uh, so they're going to have to make do for this year uh, without him. Um, another notable injury, Falcons rookie wide receiver Drake London. He ended up leaving the preseason game. Uh, after one catch, it was a 24-yard catch, so it was it was a good good play. But he kind of got tackled and fell out of bounds and came up limping. They said it was a knee injury. They didn't specify what it was, but they said it's not serious. So uh, that would be a big bummer for him. He missed the second half of his uh, final year there at USC. So hopefully he'll be ready to go uh, start a week one. Which I, I don't know if I would s- expect to see him the rest of the preseason, just to be cautious. But a um, couple of free agent signings. Uh, one was a free agent signing. The other was a re-signing. The New York Jets, right? We talked about them losing Mackay Becton, their tackle. They went out and they signed five-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle Dwayne Brown, two years, twenty-two million. So this is essentially Becton's replacement. Uh, it's a it's a damn good one at that. Um, Brown's getting up there in age, but still a five-time Pro Bowler, and uh, he should slot there in left tackle where Becton would have played. So that's a good signing for the Jets. I don't want to say it's an equal trade, but it certainly is is very close uh, if it's not equal. So that'll, that'll be good uh, whenever Zach Wilson comes back. He'll at least have a uh, capable tackle on the left side to uh, – watch his his blind side and then the other free agent signing was the uh, re-signing the Los Angeles Chargers they re-signed their Pro Bowl safety Derwin James four years 76.4 million right it's an average annual value of 19.1 million per year it makes him the highest paid safety in NFL history all right we've we've seen that and basically any skill position player that gets a new contract uh, that's that's towards elite level uh, is resetting the market so that's a lot of money for a safety every year but uh, when Derwin James is healthy he's obviously one of the very best safeties in the league the problem has been his health he has missed uh, more games than the Chargers probably would have liked for him to but uh, nonetheless uh, Derwin James staying in Los Angeles for the next four years Uh, One trade to report, it was between the Eagles and the Seahawks. So Philadelphia, uh, the Eagles traded their wide receiver, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, to the Seattle Seahawks in exchange for defensive back Ugo Amadi. All right, now, Ortega-Whiteside was a second-round pick a few years ago, and he's been a complete bust in Philadelphia. Uh, He was taken ahead of guys... um, in his draft class that 
you know, like DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, those kind of guys. Uh, it's just it's been rather embarrassing for Philly there. He's a big body. Uh, he he can play the position. He just has had lackluster quarterback play and not really had an opportunity there in Philly. So maybe the change of scenery to Seattle will help him out. But, yeah, Ortega Whiteside, former second-round pick. And then the last piece of NFL news, uh, longtime New England Patriots running back James White. He announced his retirement from the NFL after eight years. Uh, he spent all eight years with the New England Patriots. He won three Super Bowls in that eight-year span, which is a very good very good uh, percentage there. And most impressively, he finished his career with zero fumbles. All right Now, James White was more known as a pass-catching running back. Uh, but uh, either way, he did not fumble the ball at all in his career. He also holds the single... Uh, the Super Bowl single game records for the most receptions in a in a Super Bowl with 14, most points scored in a Super Bowl game with 20, and touchdowns scored in a game with three, and that was all from Super Bowl 51. All right, so uh, certainly not good enough for Hall of Fame status, but uh, still a very productive career for James White. Three Super Bowls in eight years. I mean that's. Uh, it's very impressive. But uh, moving on to the National Hockey League, uh, the New York Rangers, they have named defenseman Jacob Truba as their 28th captain in their history. Uh, of course, they had traded for him a couple years ago for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, still a younger, uh, big-body defenseman. Uh, he will wear the C for the New York Rangers, uh, who made it to the Eastern Conference Finals this past year. So, um We'll have to see how they follow up with an encore performance this year, but uh, Truba is their new captain. And then another weird off-season injury to report. I mentioned uh, Max Pacioretty of the Carolina Hurricanes was out for uh, six months after uh, tearing his Achilles. Uh, he got traded from Vegas. Well, Vegas goaltender Robin Lehner is having hip surgery. Not sure why he's waiting until now unless he just re-aggravated an old injury. But that hip surgery is going to cost Robin Lehner uh, the entire season this upcoming year. So uh, Vegas has already placed him on the long-term IR, and his salary of $5 million this year is now free. Uh, so Golden Knights basically added $5 million in cap space with that. Um, they've, they've made some bad trades the last couple years and have gone from a perennial powerhouse in the West to uh, missing the playoffs last year and uh, potentially not getting back into the playoffs uh, again this year. Um, and then the final piece of news I have for you uh, this week is in the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers, they re-signed LeBron James to a two-year $97.1 million contract extension with a player option in that second year. Now, it had been reported that LeBron, you know, may be looking to go back to Cleveland to finish out his career or, um, you know, with the way that the Lakers kind of underperformed last year, that he wasn't necessarily set or sold on re-signing with the Lakers. But uh, he did, in fact, re-sign with L.A. Two more years, uh, player option there for that second year. But you know, he's making $50 million a year in salary just to play. Um, 
And uh, so it's, you know, obviously the Lakers go as LeBron goes and Anthony Davis, if he can be healthy. The Lakers have the propensity to win uh, the NBA title, um, but they need a lot of help from Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. And if those guys aren't available, um, spend more time on the bench than they do uh, in the game, then then they're going to have another season like they just did. But obviously LeBron, best player in the NBA, one of the GOATs uh, of, of the NBA uh, in their history. So uh, he is staying put in Los Angeles, and uh, that that two-year contract may end up finishing his career out. We'll have to see. I know he said he wanted to wait. He wants to be in the NBA whenever his son Bronny gets drafted. Uh, I think that's probably coming up in, in a couple years. So uh, we'll see on that. But, yeah, LeBron back on the Lakers for the next two years. But uh, that's going to wrap up the 88th episode of the Sports Island podcast. It was a quicker one today, not a whole lot to get into. As we move forward in the NFL preseason this weekend, we'll continue to get you caught up on all the news and injuries. And uh, the closer we get to the start of the NFL season, we'll do uh, a – season preview where I'll make uh, basically my predictions for each division winner and who I think is going to win the Super Bowl so that'll probably be in a couple of weeks but uh, this weekend we got lots of baseball going on and uh, some playoff golf second playoff event on the PGA Tour this weekend the BMW Championship is getting underway so uh, be sure and tune into that should be some exciting golf with some high level players going on and uh, yeah, so we'll we'll check back in next week and uh, see how it all played out this week. Thanks for listening to the Sports Island Podcast. Be sure and find it on Facebook at Sports Island Podcast. I'm Rick Mitchell, and I'll catch you next time right here on the Sports Island Podcast, which is available everywhere you listen to podcasts.